Hello and welcome to Speaking Spirit, where we talk about all things spiritual. Your host, John Moore, is a shamanic practitioner and spiritual teacher. And now, here's John. Hey everybody, I've got a very special guest today. I'm very excited to be talking to this person, to introduce her to you. Um, and I want to start by saying that when I was a kid, one of my very favorite movies of all time, and, and hopefully some of you recognize this because it's pretty old, 1967, Dr. Doolittle, right? And he had this ability to, and I know they remade it with Eddie Murphy later on, the original with, with Rex Harrison, and um, he could go around and, and talk to animals. And I, when I was a kid, that blew my mind. I was like, I want to do that. I want to know what my dog is saying. I want to know what my cat is saying. I want to talk to the bears. I want to talk to everybody. Luckily, I got to study shamanism and do a little bit of that. But my guest today is actually an animal communicator. She is a soul level animal communicator. She's going to correct me if I screw any of this up. Uh, my guest name is Jody Crotty. Sounds like karate, but it's spelled C-R-O-T-T-Y. You can find her at jodycrotty.com, and I'll, I'll spell that out at the end of the podcast and everything. Um, I want to read a little bit about her because I don't want to get anything wrong and you know how I am. Um, so, are you grieving the loss of your pet and want to know how they are on the other side? Do you feel your over, overly affectionate pet chose you? I can answer yes to that already. Jody helps you discover and understand the meaningful messages from the animals in your life. A session with Jody offers you the opportunity to receive loving wisdom from your animal's perspective, to hear their side of the story. Jody's intuitive nature with her cheerful demeanor provides gentle support when you're grieving the transition of your cherished companion as well as offers assistance to you to resolve animal behavior issues. She connects with animals alive and in spirit, fostering the infinite love animals have in your life. And welcome, Jody. So happy to have you here. Thank you, John. I'm so proud of you. You got everything correct. <laughs> I was just going to ask. Uh, Jody and I have known each other for a few years. Um <laughs> So, uh, and I'm so happy that she came on and we're going to talk in a little bit. She's got a brand new book out and I'm excited about it because it's a kid's book and I love kid's books. And I I think, I think I have a kid's book in me. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll squeeze some tips out of Jody before the, before the conversation is over. But I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about animal communication because this is something, even though I'm a shamanic practitioner, it's not some, and I absolutely love animals and you can't be a shamanic practitioner and not love animals, but, um, it's not something I specialize in. It's not something, uh, I have a gift for or have really trained in or or anything like that. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that and just sort of what, so if I came to you, um, okay, my, my girlfriend just got a, (laughs) my girlfriend's got a 17 year old chihuahua and a 10 month old kitten. What a combo, right? And so the Chihuahua was like, oh, and I can t- I, I can tell he's like, oh, this little jerk, right? <laughs> the cat's running all over the house. Um, and the cat's just, you know, hyper. He's a, he's a 10-month-old kitten, just crazy all over the place. So let's say I'm like, oh, I got to figure out this 
this uh, this behavior? What's going on with these animals? Um, what does that look like? What does that consist of with you? Well, John, um, that's amazing for sharing that. So you can do it. You really can. Um, because the animals are so willing to communicate with all of us at all different levels. So you don't necessarily have to be an animal communicator or a soul level animal communicator, as long as you're open to receive the messages that the animals are communicating to you through their behavior, their mannerisms, how they make you feel. It doesn't even necessarily have to be your own pet. You could be a person who doesn't even like animals um, to receive messages from them. So it's all about connection. And I believe with shamanism, it is about connection. It's connection with nature, all of the energies that are around us. So animals are doing that the exact same way. So yes, John, you can communicate with animals. Uh, It's just sometimes a little more openness might help Mm -hmm. Um, and You know, I think trusting your instincts and trusting your own intuitive abilities, whether you see things or you hear song lyrics, the animals are communicating with you all the time. Even wild animals, those silly squirrels that keep kind of getting into your bird feeder and they eat all the, it's creating this emotion within you. It's still at a connection. So Theoretically, those squirrels are communicating with you other than, ooh, this seed is really, really good. (laughs) Right. So you can communicate with animals. I think for me, it first started, um, again, when I was little. And because I think when we're all little, we don't have that conscious thought of, oh, my gosh, this is going to be happening. We are connected to nature. We are so much more sensitive because our brain and Our experiences haven't filled that cup yet, if that makes sense. So as we mature and get older, we dismiss that. We kind of get rid of that intuitiveness. And even with shamanism, I believe, too, that, you know, getting back to that and getting back to the root of who you are, why you are here on this earth. Um, And the cool thing is the animals are supporting you um, through having them as pets or, you know, like you said, you're a girlfriend's, you know, cat and a new cat and, and all of these things. So it's all about the connectedness um, that animals can bring to our lives, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I do. Um, it's interesting. And one of the things that I love about the fact that you did a children's book, I do think kids are so open. And I remember um, I've got uh, I've got twin daughters. They just turned 15 and started to drive. I need anti-anxiety meds. Um, but when they were little, I can remember coming home from work. They were about three and walking in the door. And I was just really frustrated with something that happened at work. And I opened the door and I was taking a step through and I can hear my daughter yelling from the other room. I feel frustrated all of a sudden and I don't know why. And I was like, holy smokes, this kid from across the house, without even looking at me, without even being able to see me or hear me come in or whatever, is completely open to whatever whatever that ex- experience is. And they were, you know, I watched them be really open to the spirit world. But yeah, we, we shut that stuff down because we're told, you know, don't believe in fairy tales and don't, uh, you know, reality is only the things that you can touch and, um, you know material realism and all of that sort of thing. So if it's not on Google, it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) 
right. <laughs> you can't find it on Google. Um, and I think that just reiterates, you know, as, as we evolve as humans and become adults, you know, we make life choices. We all have free will. Same thing with animals, the souls of the animals, they have free will too. So um, being able to feel their support through the lessons that they're helping us learn because they come from a place of unconditional love, of infinite love. I mean, John, do you really think that your dog is going to be mad at you or frustrated with you if you go to the grocery store with your pants on backwards? No. Right. <laughs> your dog is going to look at you and say, wow, look at John go. Look at how proud he is to wear those pants backwards. I'm so supportive. That's how it's all about the support, all about the protection that they offer us. They allow us to feel love as much as we love them. They love us the same in return, if not more. So then that way we can feel that love about ourselves and that helps us grow and evolve. And you think about all of your childhood pets that you have may have had, you know, I think if you, you ask anybody, Um, who had a special dog or a special cat, the first thing that they will say, oh my gosh, I remember that cat Fluffy. That cat Fluffy got me. And so that's that connection. And that connection with Fluffy or your childhood pet never goes away. That allowed you to evolve into the person that you are. So looking at animals as our teachers is a massive thing and saying, wow, I'm so grateful that Fluffy came into my life because at that time my parents were getting divorced. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to move. I'm really glad that I had a friend in Fluffy. And so using that analogy just kind of hits home that point of how important animals are to our soul's involvement as much as um, we are for them. That makes sense. Yeah, and something something you said that I absolutely love um, is the is the phrase "animal teachers" or te- "animals as teachers," because so often we, you know, in our culture, we see animals as like inferior, right? We see them as these less than beings. Humans are at the top, and this and that, but we have so much to learn and you're exactly right. If I, you know, and I may have gone to the store with my pants on backwards and the dog doesn't care because that's not important and it's not, it shouldn't be important. And they can teach us a lot about what, what is important. And I had a, um, I had a profound experience, uh, a couple of profound experiences, but I had a profound experience one time working with another shamanic practitioner who was working with some horses and I did um, uh, I did a land clearing on the the place where the horses were, and um, as I was doing, you know, the, this practitioner was working with this one horse who had had some behavior problems, and I was out in the field doing some work on the land, and it had been snow snowing, and these two old horses came out. They were like checking me out. They're looking at me. Then all of a sudden they start jumping around and rolling in the snow because they could tell what was going on with the land. And the owner, the horse's owner came to me. She's like, I've never seen them behave like that before. I've never seen that before. They're so in tuned. And I think, I mean, all animals, I agree, but um, we, we have this sort of special evolved relationship with horses and dogs. Um, 
that there's there's this, and I know people who are um, equine therapists, for example, who who do a lot of work with horses as well, and it, it's brilliant. It's just it's absolutely brilliant. So um, yeah, I really resonate with 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 what you're <laughs> with what you're saying. I do. Yeah. Have a, so the okay. one of the um, quotes from the my children's book, "Do You Talk with Animals?" Um, is animals see what we forgot, animals hear what we cannot, animals know more than we thought, and animals feel when we connect the dots. And so I feel from your experience that, John, with the horses, that's the, the perfect mantra or statement. Um, those horses knew that you were coming there to help the land, and they also, I'm just getting this little feeling like they wanted you to have a little bit of fun with it. That, yes, you were there for a purpose, yes. So there might have been this feeling coming from you of a serious side. Um, and so those horses knew right away. They came to you and they're like, you know what, John? You need to see the bigger picture. We're going to kind of connect the dots. We're going to help you connect the dots and by them showing themselves in this way of rolling around in the snow and this playfulness and being connected and that they were bringing that to you. You might not have thought of that in the moment, but that's just kind of what I'm picking up from that experience. And so thinking about how we see, hear, feel, and know, knowing is the, the big one um, I feel for most people when it comes to animal communication, and just being human in general. We constantly second-guess ourselves. We constantly doubt ourselves. The animals don't. The Mm -hmm. animals know way more about us than we know about ourselves. And so that's the piece um, I find sometimes with my clients. There's a little bit of fear or anxiety that kind of comes up in them when we do a session, a session, because they're like, oh my gosh, what if, what if my dog says that? Or what if my dog doesn't love me? And <laughs> yeah. it, it, it creates this knowing about ourselves that kind of makes us feel icky sometimes. But the animals, again, come from that place of unconditional love and they know more about us. They're like, you rock those backward pants, John. Look at you go. <laughs> so yeah, they definitely know and they see and I, I it's all energy. Energy can just, it can't be created nor destroyed. It just kind of changes a little bit and shifts and evolves. Um, and the animals are right there guiding us. So that's, that makes me have such gratitude for all of the animals, even those annoying little squirrels mm-hmm. or the raccoon that jumps over your trash. You're like, if I have to go out there one more time <laughs> and pick up the trash from the raccoons, um, there's a bigger picture. I, and we just have to kind of figure out what emotion or why this is sparking that chord with us. Yeah. And I think, um, I think you hit on something that really resonated with me too, that the idea that animals perceive things that we can't, that we're mm-hmm. incapable of with our normal five senses and sort of, mm-hmm. I remember hearing something. So we have like, um, you know, three types of or two types of uh, uh, cells in our eyes that pick up light. One picks up color and one picks up black and white. 
And some animals, like the mantis shrimp, which is an interesting animal if you ever looked that up. <laughs> it's interesting have, you brought that one up. Well, because I was listening to this thing on NPR, and they were talking about perception. They have 16, 16 kinds of receptors in their eyes. We have no idea what they can perceive. Like, no, like, we can't, we couldn't even think really on that level. It's sort of like trying to think about what, what five dimensions are like, <laughs> you know, right? four dimensions are hard enough, three, three dimensions I can grasp, four mm-hmm. dimensions are hard enough, and then add another dimension on top of that. I can't, you know, I can't wrap my brain around that. And, it, <laughs> and the other thing I thought of, and I think everybody has had this experience, but if you're if you have training in shamanism, it, this experience um, is a little bit different. Uh, if you're sitting there at night and you have a cat, and all of a sudden they stop and just look up at the corner of the room, and you know if you're um, if you're if you're trained or if you're particularly sensitive, you're looking like, oh, there's somebody over there that they're they can actually see. They're actually seeing you know an, an invisible person or, or being over in that corner of the room. And a lot, I know a lot of people get freaked out about that. Um, but your, yeah, your animals can, can sense so much more than we can just, you know, even on a fit on a physical level, the senses of sight and smell and, and hearing are all different, but on a spiritual level, because they're so open, because they don't have egos, Mm-hmm. Um, they don't block anything out and they're just really, really open. So I, I find that to be really cool. Yeah. And, and they live in the moment. They don't foresee the future. They don't really, I shouldn't say they don't care about the past, but it's not really, they live in the present moment. And that's a huge lesson for all of us to un- understand being more present in the moment you know, whatever happens in the future is going to happen in the future. Whatever happens in the past has happened in the past, but we've learned from that. So living in the moment and living present um, is how the animals are kind of helping us. And so, again, to go back, we have free will, so we can choose whether or not we want to live in the present moment or we can choose to live in the past. Um, And again, that's the free will. But to go back, John, to what you were saying about the energies in the room and the receptors, Absolutely. 100%. Your animal is picking up on that energy and it is scientifically proven. I mean, we, we don't see gravity, but Mm -hmm. we see the effects of gravity. Same thing with animals sensing the energy and then the feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at my cat who is now looking at a blank wall in the dark. I'm feeling like that's my great aunt Flo coming through. Why is that? Because that's probably, and the feeling that you're getting, the fear that it could be your ant flow or the excitement that you're feeling because it could be ant flow, regardless, you still have a choice. And so that conscious brain that we all have and the feeling, there can be a disconnect to where then you're, no, that can't be that. That that cat is just crazy. Mm -hmm. And again, that goes around with, how you are brought up, a negative belief. So you're choosing, um, and that's totally fine too. But it's mainly the feeling that you get, getting back in touch with your own intuition. And I feel that's, as a child, that's why I wrote the children's book, is they are so new and Mm -hmm. they're so amazing uh, with getting it. Like the animals, they get it. And so then there's that thought of like, 
well, I had it when I was a kid. Then what happened? Oh, I grew up and kind of moved on. And so I feel that's why I chose to write a children's book because I just wish, and you probably feel the same way too, John, that I just wish that there was a book like this when I was a kid because I feel if there was a book like this saying, yeah, it's your intuition. Yes, it's your creativity. It's, I feel like the choices that I might have made might have been different. I mm-hmm. would not have felt, oh my goodness, yeah, that Jody, she's she's off in fairyland. She's a little crazy. She's she's out talking to the trees. And and that energy kind of created sometimes that negative belief to where you create sure. a boundary about that. And then you sought the doubt. So again, I feel that's the premise of why I wrote a children's book opposed to an adult version, but adults can read it too and get the same feeling of trusting your own intuition. Yeah. I love children's books. I read, um, even though my, my kids, <laughs> my kids are voracious readers and they read adult books now, but, um, you know, I still will, you know, in a bookstore or a library, pick up a children's book because, um, for one thing, I think they're so well written. They have to be, they have to be really succinct for one thing, right? You have to, um, you know, and sometimes they're rhyming or, or whatever, but the artwork can be so incredible in these children's books, as simple as it can be or whatever. I just think, uh, I just think there's a beauty and an innocence to that, that I really love. And, you know, the idea of, uh, (laughs) growing up and having, and like learning to shut things down or learning to shut things off, shove them back into the shadow, do a lot of shadow work. Um, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I had, uh, I had out of body experiences and I didn't know what they were. Um, you know, it was like flying around my town, flying around my house. I had no idea what was going on. It was, you know, I thought it was cool. Um, but also a little scary. And Mm -hmm. I remember just like going to my local library and finding, um, you know, finding a book on out of body experiences and like checking it out and reading. I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is what, this is what's been going on with me. It was spontaneous. This is what's been going on with me. And, you know, my mom, uh, being, being my mom and I love, love my mom. Don't want to say anything bad about my mom, but she's a, love your mom, love your mom, love my mom. She's, she's a religious person. She's, you know, doesn't, you know, none of the, uh, nothing that smacks of anything occult or anything at all. And so she's like, why are you reading that book? You shouldn't read that book and put that back. And so it was like, Oh, well, I guess I should, guess I should shut this down. You know, I guess I shouldn't explore this. Well, you know, I now as a shamanic practitioner, I do this on purpose every day. So, um, you know, it's okay. Uh, it's okay, mom. I'm all, I'm all right. Live, living He's fine. He's good, mom. He's good. He's good. <laughs> um, and good you work. talk about the illustrations um, with children's books. I agree with you, John, 100%. Um, so looking for an illustrator, there's an amazing story with, the illustrator, Catherine Ramsdell, who illustrated um, my book. She's very young, and she's a friend of mine's daughter. And she she said to me, she's like, oh, I, I can illustrate your book. And at the time, you know, she was 17, and she's like, I can illustrate your book. And I'm like, okay, cool. So these, what she perceived as doodles, were amazing. Mm-hmm. I was blown away. I said, Catherine, these are doodles what and so then the 
the collaboration happened to where I said, I want you to take the story. I want you to take the characters and just go with it, which is the premise of my book. And Catherine nailed it in all of these illustrations. She was amazing. She picked up on what the animal and in a sense, she was communicating with the characters in the book and the way that she was able to incorporate the, the girl from the book and a little bit of herself as well as me. And then she also incorporated a genius idea. I don't, I don't want to give it away. Um, when it came to the characters themselves, how can we have the characters of the book integrate with each other? So there is an Easter egg Mm -hmm. in the book and it was brilliant. So Catherine did an amazing job with being able to do these illustrations, connect with the book. That is what the book is about. Seeing, hearing, feeling. What do you think Gus would say? What do you think Gus looks like? What are you feeling that he feels when he goes to take his winter nap? All of these things, Catherine nailed it, and she is a fantastic, fantastic artist, um, and she has an amazing road ahead of her on this journey, and so being, I was so honored that she did all of the illustrations for this book. Um, she really got it, it, it and I'm, I'm so proud of her. Again, being as young as she is and mm-hmm. saying that, oh, these are just doodles. What? <laughs> these are doodles? Most illustrators who are older don't even get it. And so that was another reason why I chose a a younger illustrator Mm -hmm. uh, for the book. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. I think um, clearly somebody with a, with a very bright future ahead of her and imagine, gosh, what was I doing at 17? (laughs) Um, Yes. We all have that. Spend a little time traipsing around Europe um, and doing things uh, doing, doing things I don't want to speak about, but, uh, uh, yeah, 17, I definitely was not, uh, nobody was hiring me to, um, illustrate a children's book at that age for sure. But I, I, I do think it's great. And I think I have seen so many fantastic young artists and how great to have, uh, to illustrate your first published book at 17 and hopefully, um, you know, I don't know if her intention is to do more, you know, more illustrations along those lines, but definitely um, a bright future ahead. So that's that's pretty exciting. I want to ask. So, um, if if I were, let's say, uh, let's say I grabbed the um, Max, the seventeen year old Chihuahua, and um, <laughs> he's a great he's a great guy, by the way. He's got real Chihuahua. Energy. Don't give me too much information. Okay, I won't. I won't. But this is more hypothetical, right? So let's say I uh, I bring him to you and I say I want to know what's going on with Max. He I can't tell if he's happy. He's unhappy. This new cat's in the house. I can tell he's a little bit bothered by the change in the house. He's seventeen. He's set in his ways. He's ancient, right? How many How many years is seventeen in dog years? Um, very old. Um, very set in his ways. He likes quiet. This cat's running all over the house. You're giving me too much information. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's get his perspective on stuff. What if he doesn't feel old? What if he feels, you know? Okay. So that's just my, yeah, you're right. That's my, that's my perspective. Um, (laughs) What would that, what would that be like for you? Do you, how do you, how do you sense what's going on with him and, or, or any animal for that 
Yeah. So a normal session um, is I connect in with the person first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it easier for when we go into the animal part of the raising session to connect in with the person just to kind of see what's coming up for you. Because when we get to the animal part, it makes that connection a lot stronger because you're part of their life as much as they're part Mm -hmm. of your life. So it's really important to understand your perspective of things as well. So I connect in with the person, obviously with the person's permission. Uh, I'm not going to go in there if you don't (laughs) want me to. That's totally fine too. So then I get the gist of the person. Moving on. The animal, the less information I know about a situation, the better the information that comes through. So the better the reading for you. So then that way, you know, I'm not interpreting it. You know, it's coming directly from the animal. I'm just that middleman kind of passing along that information for you. I didn't look you up on Google or anything like that or on Facebook. You know that the information that I'm sharing is coming directly from the animal. So it can come in through feelings. It can come through Um, Like I said, song lyrics, Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me why your dog is coming dressed up as a clown. I have no idea, but for you, it will make sense because you can either say, oh my gosh, I'm petrified of clowns or yeah, he is really silly like a clown. Mm -hmm. So it's all through symbolism that the animals sometimes will communicate. Um, Even in spirit, the animals that have crossed over, um, will share through symbolic means or song lyrics, or they give me a feeling in my physical body. So we get to ask a question. Open-ended questions are usually best. You're going to reap more information from that animal if you have, you know, why is he really acting like that? What is it that he wants me to know? Instead of, is he happy? Did he make it to heaven? Things like that. And the animals most often will kind of laugh at me. They're like, really? That's the kind of question that you want to ask? Uh, so it's, it's, it's very basic. It's very casual during the session. You're part of the session as much as I'm part of the session and the animal is part of the session. It's almost a three-way conversation. We're listening to what the animal has to say, how he's responding. Sometimes if the information doesn't make sense during the session, that's okay too. We just go back to the animal and say, hey, Fluffy, can you show us in a different way that will make sense to John? Or, oh, wow. And then if it still doesn't make sense, you trusting that the information that came through will make sense when it's supposed to make sense to you. It might not make sense to this in the moment because I get like a call or an email or a text message a week later from a client saying, oh my gosh, do you remember when you said that? No, I really don't, but okay, go ahead, do tell. Right. Do you remember when you said that? Okay, well, it just happened. Okay, mm-hmm. but it didn't make sense to you in the moment we were doing. So again, it's all that energy work that the animals are helping you to discover about yourself. So that's a session. And, and when we go into a session, The humans, and I'm going to say humans versus animals, humans have so much more emotion than the animals do, and that's not a bad thing. We can, if we are still in the grieving process of we've just lost a pet, or like you, oh, he's so old, he's, you know, barely hanging on. Okay, that's how you feel, but 
what if he feels like he feels like he's like Hugh Jackman and he's ready to go play Wolverine <laughs> in the movie? He feels great. He feels fine in his body. And, and that's the perception that we see that they are trying to communicate. I don't feel that way. I do get a lot of questions from owners who want to know when their animal is going to cross over. Mm-hmm. And this is a big, big one um, for, for people to understand. Going back to what I said before, animals have a choice. They have a soul, just like we do, and they choose how and when, who's going to be there, when they want to go. And it all revolves the lessons that they are helping us to learn about the transition process. Um, If somebody is afraid of death, an animal might not want that person there when they cross over. And, and so those questions kind of come up, and it, it's a very emotional time for, for individuals to talk about that. Um, another case in point is I have clients who come to me and say, my dog is so anxious. I can't bring my dog anywhere. He's so anxious. He's, can you help? Can you help? Okay. It's not really the dog that's anxious. Right. <laughs> And so most people, John, are like, no, it's not me. It's not me. And so it's like, okay, well, what can the animal do to help you work on this issue of maybe anxiety in public places and and things like that? So Mm. we get a lot of running the gambit of those types of questions. I had a really really interesting conversation with a friend um, some time ago. Uh, about dogs in particular. And the question came up with somebody else and he brought it to me. And the question was, can dogs be racist? Right. And my answer was no dog, you know, dogs don't know or care about race. And the, the person who had asked him was saying, well, you know, I have this dog and this dog loves everyone, but this dog will, um, bark at people of a different race when it, when he sees them. And, and my thought, and I don't know, cause I haven't met this other person. My thought is the dog is responding to the owner's energy. When the owner sees this person and the, this person might not, um, I mean, we all have implicit bias, right? We all have that. I'm not excluding myself from this at all. I work really hard to be, um, tolerant and loving of everyone, but I grew up in this culture and, and I recognize that, that we all have implicit bias so I think this person may have some hidden feelings towards people of different races that the dog is responding to. And then he's like, oh, wow, my dog doesn't like people of this this race. He's bar- he barks at them, but he doesn't bark at this person. And I'm just thinking to myself, that dog's picking up on you, my friend, because dogs don't care. Dogs don't really don't care like who your parents were or what, you know, where you came from or any of that. It just seemed... Um, it was just kind of a, a, a funny question. And when I, when I talked to my friend about it, he was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That really makes so Absolutely. much sense. And so it's we're and even a, taking it one step further, we're all made up of energy. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that the, the animals don't care about race. It's just not as important as humanity and and the bigger picture animals get the bigger picture. That's why they can feel when we connect those dots, when we finally understand, Hey, wow, that's, that's kind of cool. So 
they're they're picking up to go back to what you were saying about the what was it a squid? Or, oh, the the it? mantis shrimp. <laughs> yeah, the shrimp, the shrimp and the the sensors. So, scientifically speaking, yes, animals are so much more in tune and to everything around them through their nature, whether there be domesticated dog to a wild wolf. So it's the energy that they're picking up on. It's the vibrations that they're picking up on. So in that sense, race doesn't really, I don't want to say play a card, but if that person is having a bad day or if that person is not in a good vibrational state, that dog could be saying, you know what, this is not a good person for you to be around right Mm -hmm. now. Let's go back over here. So how is a dog going to do that? He's going to bark. He's going to kind of get in the middle of you. In addition to what you're saying, John, is that he's picking up on that energy. So it's very true. The dog or whatever animal is picking up the energy of the person. They're picking up the energy of the person that they care about. So it's almost like they're working double time to kind of get into whatever situation because they want you to feel safe. They want you to feel protected. They want you to feel love. They want you to feel that you're worthy of having a communication with this person. So that's what they're, they're teaching us. Uh, It's almost, again, it's that innate thing that we dismiss all of the time. So your friend kind of through talking to you finally understood, well, yeah, maybe, and just that small shift in his own energy is now going to shift how the dog is going to respond to another person or whether it be a male or a female. We do get that. Mm-hmm. My, my dog doesn't like males. Okay, let's figure out why. Is it the person or is it because of a child, not the child, but a trauma maybe that the dog is associating with? Sure. The, the expansion of the soul is so much more. Um, and so we, you know, reincarnate and things like that. That's a whole nother topic to get into, but we still have, I call it like the cosmic residue or like the cobwebs within our souls. If we come down here, we still have to learn a lesson. Sometimes we don't understand that lesson. When we come down in the lifetime, we go back home, we got to learn it again. We got to come back. And so the animals are trying to teach us to evolve so we can understand and kind of get that lesson. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so to go back, I don't want yeah. to interrupt you, but to no, go no. back to the dog, your, is it your girlfriend's 17-year-old dog? Yeah, yeah, Max. And his name is Max? Yeah. All right, so just give me a second. So you can keep talking. I'm just okay. going to connect him really quickly with Max. And I'm going to say, so how do you feel about John. Do you have any information? Is that okay, John? If yeah. I can oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Max? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's more surrounding the, your relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and right away when I'm connecting in with Max, he's showing me um, a bright um, spherical light. And he's also, he's showing me Yoda from um, Star Wars is carrying this light. Hmm. Um, So when I ask him about the light, oh, um, he says he's the light for you. Mm. He's bringing you the light. 
is what he's saying. Um, he's also share, he wants to share his wisdom with you. Uh, so he's presenting you with this. And I know it sounds very sci-fi movie, but that's what he's showing me. So he's showing me Yoda. So when I think of Yoda, I think of somebody who's wise, not somebody who's in a Star Wars movie. Um, so is there a bigger message, Max, that you want to share with John? Um, Max is saying sometimes, John, you don't see the light. You don't see the light within yourself. Uh, and sometimes you don't see the light in him and other people. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense for sure. And so he wants to share this wisdom of light with you. Um, and he keeps calling him. He, he says he's very spry. I'm very spry. <laughs> um, but how he's saying it is like in an old man voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very spry. Um when he's saying that he keeps, and I don't use the word spry. I don't I think I, I, I think I have used that word to describe him oh, sometimes. Well, there you go. So that makes sense. So yeah, the, it's just how they are trying to share in this particular situation and bringing your awareness to. Uh, so yeah. And just by knowing that is shifting. And so you're like, oh, he's old and, da, 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 and <laughs> all these things. But he's like, no, I, I'm feeling pretty spry. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he, Yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. And, and something that's really funny is um, he actually, he likes being dressed up, um, something he, he actually really enjoys it. Um, I know not all animals do, but he has a little Yoda hat, the ears and the whole Are you serious? Thing. Yeah. For real? Yeah, for real. For real, it's very funny. Uh, we, we have all kinds of pictures of him dressed up as like a dragon and dressed up as Yoda and dressed oh. up. But yeah, he's, uh, he's so cute. He's such so, a cute again, boy. Again, the less information that I know, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't need a picture of him. I didn't need him touching me or anything. It was allowing that energy to come in and allowing him to present in a way that he wanted to present. So it was his perspective. He knew how that was important for you to understand. And cool. He looked like Yoda to me. Uh, <laughs> and so, and that's really cool that you validated that he has a Yoda costume. So for me, I, I don't need that information. And so I have several clients who say, oh, can you come to the house? Uh, I can't. It, it's a little distracting for me because I want to sure. get down and play with the dog and do all of these things. So it takes a little bit more of energy management because I have such a good time with them. Um, but the, again, energy, it just, it just kind of comes. I mean, in, in flows. And so I, I don't want to interpret how that dog wants to get the message or that how that animal wants to get the message to the person. Yeah. So it's very similar to when I'm working shamanically, um, uh, I have to try to set what I'm seeing aside and very frequently information comes through, um, in symbols and metaphors and makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. And I had a, I had a client, for example, in Scandinavia. And, uh, when I met with her and I was working, I kept seeing turtles swimming above her. I'm like, I, I don't know. This might mean absolutely nothing to you, but 
there's turtles all around you. It's just like, oh, my grandmother collected turtles. And it's actually weird for this part of the world, but she had pet turtles and she's, <laughs> she passed away. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I just, it, it's hard sometimes. I get it. Like you want to, you want to set your thinking mind aside a little bit and just deliver, deliver the information. So I, I totally get not, um, I call it kind of like front loading, right? When people give me too much information up front and then it you know my conscious mind tries to cram the symbols and stuff that I'm getting into whatever I I already know and um it, that might make things worse <laughs> frequently it does frequently it but does there's the message worse. in that too is that your clients might need that from you just a listening ear yeah um, I've had clients do that too to where they're like I have to get this out I have to get this out okay and you just yeah. allowing yeah. So everybody is different, especially, um, again, during the grieving process, they feel like such a a loss um, over their pet. And I feel as being a pet loss professional um, and understanding families in that aspect allowed me to kind of open the door a little bit more when it came to animal communication, especially animals that are on the other side. Uh, That's kind of... I don't want to say facilitated it, but kind of opened that door a little bit wider to say, okay, what, what is happening here? What is going on? The biggest challenge I think for all of us is to understand is to trust that mm-hmm. trust. I think with just humans in general is really, really hard. We have a hard time allowing the trust to come in and to, and to trust it. Just like with shamanism, you have to trust the information that's coming through whether it be from the trees, the earth, and there's that knowing, that innate knowing. I just know that this is happening. You you can't explain it because it's not going to be on Google. I just know it. And that's the whole part that the animals say, yeah, she gets it. We've connected the dots. Yay. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and and it, this, this relationship that we have with animals, I think is, is so special and it's so important. Um, it's important to us, to our continued evolution. It was, it's been important to us all along the way. If you look back to like, even before there was agriculture, they were domesticating dogs and um, horses, right? So um, that came first. These relationships with animals came way before we started planting crops or, you know, or building cities or any of these, any of these things. And so, those relationships to me, I always, I don't know, I, the, the scientific aspect of my mind, it always kind of looks at things from an evolutionary perspective. Like the, the important stuff came first, right? So um, animal relationships, shamanism came before any kind of organized thing, any before, you know, uh, we see it in cave paintings and we course most a lot of cave paintings are having to do with animals and not just hunting scenes but actually the people changing into animals and the animals changing into people and there are i i th- think that in the past our relationship be- because of the way that you know culture has shaped our the way we view things i think we were much much closer and much more in tune i think we had to be to survive mm-hmm. uh, we don't have to be anymore i can live in a house and i don't have to uh, I don't have to interact with the animals outside or, you know, uh, you know, compete for food or any of those things. Um, 
But there is, you know, going back to that and unlearning in a way is similar to going back to our childhood when we were open and free. So going back to the, the I guess, the childhood of mankind and is also like going back to our own individual childhood where we were open, where we had these relationships and we were living closer to nature. We were living in more relationship with the animals. We were living in relationship to the trees, to each other. We had to. Um, we still have to, but people, I think, um, you know, especially today during the pandemic, people are, you know, we lock ourselves away in our homes and don't interact much, but, um, that relationship is, is extremely important and you hit the nail on the head and shamanism is all about relationship. It's all about a relationship to self, to spirit, to others, to animals, to nature. And, um, that's how we survive and move forward as a species. If, and if we neglect those relationships, no matter how small or whatever we think they are, um, you know, that, that's a real detriment to us as a, as a species, I think. Anyway, that's my, that's my soapbox. I'll climb, climb back down off my soapbox. Well, and it's, <laughs> to agree with you, yeah, it's, it's learning lessons. Uh, and, and you think, okay, well, I know I'm not going to stick my finger in a light socket or I'm, I know I'm not going <laughs> right. to put my hand on a stove. Why? Well, you learned your lesson. And our parents have always said, that. well, you're going to learn your lesson. Yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so the animals that are in our lives help us in that way to help us learn these lessons. And it, it is all about choice. And to go back to when you were saying about the relationships of, you know, the, the cave people um, and how they celebrated the animals. They even, you know, the hunting, they, they never wasted any part right. of that. Right. And the animals knew and, and made kind of the choice to say, we're here to work together. We're here, you know, because you are learning about how to survive. You're learning this, you're learning the ways. And, and you think of all, especially shamans how connected they are and it animals in in tune just like with the gravity and everything we are all connected and we're all kind of moving together and that's the amazing thing about animal communication we can all do it it doesn't require any special skill as long as you are being present in the moment allowing the information to come in and trusting it. And I mean, another example is how many times have you gone to a party and you get all dressed up? You have to go to this party. You feel obligated to go to the party. Your friends are going to be there. You're going to have a good time. You get to the door and the bouncer is not very nice. Now you're feeling, I really don't want to go in there. I feel like I'm going to have a miserable time. But you know in your conscious brain, hey, my friends are in there. They're waiting for Mm -hmm. me. So what do you do? You squash that feeling of ickiness and you let your brain take over. So then you go to the bar and you order yourself a drink. The bartender is not very nice or he messes up your order. There's still that innate feeling saying, "I there's something about this place. And the universe... And the energy and the connected kind of keeps giving you these signs like this, and then you don't get it. Right. 
Very much so with the animals. The animals are communicating with you. You're just not getting it sometimes because whether it be a negative belief about yourself, that you're not worthy of being lovable, and your dog loves you so much, or, yeah, it's, I could go, there's my soapbox. So I'm going to come down (laughs) from my soapbox now too, John, because I could go on that forever. Uh, So, yeah, it's getting back in touch and acknowledging and trusting your intuition and allowing yourself to feel it. If it doesn't feel good, then don't do it. I mean, and the animals are saying the same thing. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Yeah, for sure. There was this, um, there's this really cool study and I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't, uh, I can't remember exactly what happened, but um, I think it was with chimpanzees when they were looking at two troops of chimpanzees that weren't in contact with each other. And one troop like learned a new skill, how to use a tool. And chimpanzees, we used to think that only humans use tools, but that's wrong. Um, crows use tools. Chimpanzees use tools. Um, so we're not as smart as we think we are um, <laughs> compared to compared to our other um, non-human people friends. Uh yeah. But once a certain number in this troop learned how to do this specific thing, members of the other troop that had no contact, could have been miles and miles away, started doing the same behavior. So there is this connection to the web of life that animals have that we have it, but we ignore it a lot of a lot of the times. Um, and that is, you, you know, you cannot explain that from a material from a material reality perspective, science can't, um, there's no theory yet to support that type of learning, but it's been observed. So it's, it, it happened and it's been observed and it's been written about by researchers, but they can't, they can't explain why. Um, but there is this level of interconnectedness with everything that animals just have because they don't have, you know, the prefrontal cortex that we have that tells us to shut that off. Um, that is sort of a prefrontal cortex is sort of a blessing and a curse, right? Like it gives us things like, uh, language and some, you know, really complex symbolic thought and and the ability to make podcasts. Um, but we, (laughs) but we also place a lot of, we also place a lot of emphasis on stuff that goes on in that part of our brain and ignore the stuff that happens in other parts of our brain that are very wise, um, and that's, that's a lot of the time I think where, you know, animals live in that part of their brain cause they don't have the same brain structures and that's, you know, the, there's innate wisdom there that we sometimes choose to, or frequently choose to ignore. And I think getting back to, getting back to that, getting back to those roots, getting back to that connectedness, there's so much wisdom there, um, that we can, you know, that we can discover that's already there. It's not like you have to learn something to tap into that. It's, it's, you have to unlearn, I guess. <laughs> or if you have a dog that dresses up in a Yura costume and he's presenting you with a spherical ball. That's yeah. Blown. Yeah. Just take it. <laughs> take the ball. That's the lesson to be take learned. Right. Take the life from the dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, believe it or not, we've been talking for almost an hour Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um, but th- I mean, this has been absolutely fantastic and I feel like I could talk to you for like three more hours easily. So I hope that um, we can have you on again um, sometime absolutely. in the near absolutely. future. 
Um, I do want to. I, I want to give a. Uh, I want to give a plug for your book because um, if you have children in your life, um, get a copy of this book. Just just do it. Um, it will be a fantastic gift. Or guess what? If you don't have children in your life, get get a copy of this book too. Um, and one of the nice things about this book is that uh, a dollar goes. For every book, a dollar goes directly to the Center for Wildlife in Cape Natick, Maine. They do fantastic work. It's an animal, um, it's an animal rescue, and I have uh, I have had the opportunity to call them to um, pick up animals that I have found, and uh, they do fantastic work. Um, so let me talk about this book a little bit. It's called uh, "Do You Do You Talk with Animals." And the description is, have you ever talked to the bear, a fish, or even a stink bug? I can't say that I ever have talked to a stink bug, but oh, I would try. Oh, the wisdom? The yeah, wisdom I'm, of stink bugs. There's a very interesting story with uh, <laughs> that little stink bug. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a follow-up book there, The Wisdom of Stink Bugs. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think animals would share with you? In Do You Talk With Animals, animals share heartfelt symbols with a girl, showing showing her about connecting with her intuition through what she sees, hears, feels, and knows about the world around her, engaging the reader to embrace and discover through their senses, and asking, who did you connect with today? This sweet and heartfelt book about animal communication and intuition will delight children and adults for years to come, and I wholeheartedly agree. Um, Get this for the kids in your life. Get this for the adults in your life. Um, Get this for yourself. And then uh, to get this book, they would go directly to your website? Correct. Yes. So they're going to go to jodycrotty.com, which is J-O-D-Y-C-R-O-T-T-Y.com. And there on my website, you'll see animal communication sessions as well as where to get the book. And as John said, uh, every book sold, a dollar goes to the Center for Wildlife. The Center for Wildlife, one of the characters in the book, Actually, Fern, the owl, Mm -hmm. I had connected. So all of the characters actually in the book are animals that I've communicated with, even the stink bug. Mm. And the messages that they have and that what they shared with me is what's in the book. So Fern is one of the ambassadors at the Center for Wildlife. So their mission is to help rehabilitate uh, wild animals as well as educate the community and people about how we can do our part to help all animals. Uh, So that's why I decided to have Fern in my book. And she really encouraged me to the wisdom that she shared with me. Even the stink bug had some wisdom, John. Uh, I I believe you. I just have never, I've never talked to a stink bug. Maybe I should. (laughs) It's them. The message is, is really about your own uniqueness. Um, we all know that stink bugs are not very pleasant when we <laughs> squish them and, and things like that. So, and I actually have a photograph of the stink bug. And so Catherine did an amazing job capturing stinky, uh-huh. the stink bug. And it, it was really all about embracing your own uniqueness, just like they have their own unique little odor. You mm-hmm. might not like it. Just like sometimes we don't like those pieces about ourselves, but it's really embracing your yourself uh, through, yeah, your own intuition. And it's, it's an amazing book, and it was such a joy to connect in with the animals and hear what they wanted to share. And just like our pets, animals 
want to communicate with us too, to bring about that human animal connection. Well, thank you so much again. I will. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, lovely to have you here. I will absolutely ask you to come on again. Uh, I feel like we could talk for three more hours, and um, and have lots to talk about. Um, for those of you who are interested, I will put uh, the I will put Jody's the URL to her um, uh, her website, and she's got a beautiful website, by the way. And I just wanted to to comment and say like. Um, uh, you've got a video, I think, of a collie on the front of your website, or is it a Sheltie? Is it a collie or a Sheltie? So, yeah, there's another interesting story about that, too. Yep. So I had a web designer who I absolutely love. Her name is Allison, and we wanted to revamp my website. And I was like, yeah, and we were talking about doing a video and all of that, and so she pulls up this video. I started to cry immediately when I saw this video because as a child – I had a collie, mm-hmm. and you read my bio, um, Jessie was her name. Jessie was my best friend, and I'm going to cry just thinking about her. Um, she's taught me so many lessons and still teaches me lessons today, and it was amazing that Allison, who was my web designer, put that video up there. Again, she didn't know anything yeah. about the Synchronicity. That. Very much synchronicity. And I was blown away. And of course, I called her crying, thanking her for putting and she's like, I just grabbed a video. And I was like, Allison, you have no idea you grabbed a, a part of me. And that's, that's why I keep it up there as well. So it's, and my childhood dog was a Sheltie or miniature collie. So no when I clicked way. on that, I was like, yeah, like it, it rocked me back in my seat a little bit um, when I clicked on that as well. And um, man, what a what a smart, beautiful breed of animal. They are just, um, yeah, get a, get, a, get a collie or a Sheltie in your life. They're just <laughs> fantastic. See how the animal communication still works, John? Mm-hmm. You had that dog so many years ago when you were a kid. It's that emotion and that sense of, honor that you were blessed with that dog that absolutely this dog taught, and so that's the connectedness that i talk about that never goes away never goes away you will always have that absolutely well folks we have to wrap up i know we could talk for a lot longer but um thank you again for for joining me today um i'm gonna i'll play play some music and and we'll 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 talk to you next time Thank you, John. Thank you. been listening to Speaking Spirit with your host, John Moore. For more info or to contact John, go to mainshaman.com. That's M-A-I-N-E-S-H-A-M-A-N.com.